0: The scripture reading for today is Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst, and by anyone he will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks to God. Zephaniah 3.17, that's my favorite verse. Uh, and in terms of New Year's resolutions, if you don't have one, you need, you need to get a favorite verse. That's something you can do in 2017. I remember, it's been many years ago since I stumbled across Zephaniah 3.17, but to me, it, it takes the gospel and the ridiculous nature of the gospel and brings in two sides. The Lord your God is mighty. He's with you. That word mighty is a word for, uh, for warrior that we'll take a look at in a few minutes. But it says he, He's that, but He's also this God who, who will take great delight in you, who will quiet you with His love and rejoice over you with sin. So that, this one verse uh, that we are looking at this morning, and this is the scandal of the gospel that Adonai, our master, the one who is over and above us, would not just expect that we would adore Him, But he adores us. So I want to tell you a a story. When I was in eighth grade, I was about that tall, about that big around. And I remember there was a guy who was in class with me, uh, Jeff uh, Cornwell, big guy, strong guy, uh, long hair, kind of the uh, opposite of me in a lot of ways. He just was just, uh, I think he had his own parking spot in eighth grade. He was a... He was a big, mature, into heavy metal, wore this Metallica, Megadeth, and all these kinds of shirts uh, to school. I didn't even know what those were. I was just, I I, I knew I wasn't listening to that, but uh, a headbanger. I mean, he, he he loved hard music and just a tough guy, and I had about yay much in common with him until one day when we were talking and I overheard him talking about his uncle Tony, who was this big hunter. And he was talking about how his Uncle Tony would go out west and uh, hunt and and kill these large animals and all this. And the more he talked about his Uncle Tony, I said, man, that, that sounds like my great-uncle Tony. And I said, who, who is he married to? And he told me the name, and I said, "That that's my that's my grandfather's youngest brother. And all of a sudden, there was kind of this spark in Jeff's eye. And it was like, although we were not blood kin there was the connection for the first time we had something in common it certainly wasn't music it wasn't appearance it wasn't strength it wasn't age or uh, shaving capabilities or anything like that but we had a connection through Uncle Tony and something shifted in our uh, posture toward each other he was a kind of an intimidating guy he would bully guys some he'd even slung me around I remember one time in particular he slung me around the bathroom like I was a little rag doll no more after that day, though. He was, he was very, he was kind toward me, uh, and there was a day shortly thereafter that we were in class, the teacher stepped out for something, and I don't recall doing anything to one of my classmates, but he really became, I don't know that he was angry, maybe he just wanted to hurt someone, uh, and I was the one for that day, and he began to chase me around the room. And so he was on one side and I was on the other, and we were, we, I was keeping desks in between us, and and all this, and I, I'm thinking that the teacher needs to get back very quickly, or this could, be, this could be really brutal. And all the classmates, girls are in there. I mean, it would have been embarrassing if he'd gotten a hold of me. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. And all of a sudden, this guy, uh, Sean, is moving around the classroom trying to get a hold of me. Jeff and he were actually good friends, and Jeff stood up in between us, and he said to Sean, his best friend, You're not going to mess with him. And that that settled it. It was done at that point. And I remember kind of all of a sudden feeling kind of puffed up like, yeah, yeah, sit down, Sean. You're not going to do anything. <laughs> I had this big specimen in front of me that was there advocating for me at that point. There, there's something about that story that I always come back to when I think about this favorite verse of mine, Zephaniah 3.17. Zephaniah, of course, uh, an Old Testament book. Um, only three chapters in length, uh, a book like many of the Old Testament prophets, uh, a book of judgment and destruction uh, because God's people had not been faithful and obedient. And and so this is Zephaniah's bringing a word of of uh, bad news to them, really, that they're going to be destroyed. Uh, but by the time you get to chapter 3, there's this, there's this hope that settles in that even though judgment is coming, that it will not be an eternal kind of judgment, but that there will be some hope for uh, redemption, for reconciliation. And Zephaniah 3.17 is really toward the back end of the book and really speaks to the fact that though God is upset with His people and they've been wicked and they will be punished and face consequences for their sin, that God is going to delight more in showing mercy to His children and redeeming them than punishing them eternally. Zephaniah, in fact, the name Zephaniah means the Lord hides. But it can also mean that Yahweh protects or even treasures one given this name, which is very appropriate for this particular verse. I want to, I want to show you the Hebrew word for, for mighty that's used in this passage, Zephaniah Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord is a mighty, some translations even say he's a mighty warrior, good boy, as in you throw a stick and Fido fetches it and he comes back and you say, good boy. <laughs> that's how you can remember, that's how you can remember that Hebrew. But it's not just strong, and there's a difference between strength just in and of itself. There, there's, there's the kind of strong that can lift a large amount of weight, That's good. That's great. You may even have been in competitions or know people who have been in competitions where they were lifting weight, and the more weight they lifted, uh, they they could win the competition. I remember we were uh, on a mission trip in Spain. I think we were in the Barcelona airport. Rick Jordan, uh, a minister from North Carolina, was standing beside me, and these couple of guys came by that were obviously professional bodybuilders. They were huge, huge, I, I wanted to put up a Google image of bodybuilders, but they're all basically naked, so I didn't feel like that would be appropriate. But, but you know these, these people who are just absolutely just ripped out everywhere, and it doesn't even look real. Their little heads just perched on top of this mound of muscle. Well, these guys were standing there, you know, in their t-shirts, of course, just uh, biceps and triceps and every other set kind of just just booming, and, and we just kind of were standing there next to them, like, just feeling, you know, kind of bad about ourselves, really, and Rick just kind of mumbles to me. He says, well, my strength is in the Lord. <laughs> and I just busted out laughing. I thought, that's, that's great. There's a difference in bodybuilding kind of strength and strength that is used in order to hunt or, or a soldier. If you're going into battle you don't necessarily care if the guy alongside you, fighting you, helping protect you, can bench 400 pounds. That, that is probably not going to be relevant. What you do care about is if that person is special ops or a Green Beret or something like that, then you know they're mighty not just in the bench press. They're a mighty warrior. They have special skills and the ability to, to fight that is tremendous. So this kind of strength depicts bravery, courage, courage, Action. There are a couple of other scriptures. In fact, there, we, we could spend a long, long time, and we won't, but we could spend a long time talking about all the different places in scripture, and you're familiar with many of them, I'm sure, where it talks about the Lord's strength. That, that is not a, a rare or unique occurrence in the Word of God. The Lord is strong, the Lord is mighty, the Lord is powerful. Almighty God. I mean, we could go on and on. There's so many references. I just pulled a few. Uh, that speak especially to this idea of of warrior. Exodus 15.3 says, The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is His name. Jeremiah 20.11, the message uh, version says, But God, a most fierce warrior, is at my side. In the ESV, that same verse says, But the Lord is with me as a dread warrior. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble. They will not overcome me. In Deuteronomy 10, 17, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God. God is strong. But the good news for us isn't just that He is strong, because Emmanuel, we just celebrated, of course, Christmas and this idea that God would, would come to us in flesh. I mean, really, what good does it do? What good does it do to have God with you Even if in all His power, He wasn't for you, but was against you. If He comes in all His strength and and Almighty God and is a warrior and powerful, and He's coming against you, it's not good news at all. It's terrible news. It's the worst news you've ever imagined. But He comes not against us to crush us. He is a mighty warrior who is our advocate, who comes along for us who desires to protect us, to defend us. This whole idea that He is a Savior, that we have salvation. Nobody can save you. If Jeff had been a foot shorter than me and, and weighed 50 pounds less than me, Sean would have just laughed at him when he stood up. But he, he, was, he had a strength and the credibility that his, his presence meant something. There was, there was the reality that He could use His presence to defend me, and I was thankful that day that He did. So we've got this image of God as this mighty warrior, capable of overcoming anyone and anything that would dare come against Him. And fortunately, He is for us and not against us. But now we turn to the tender side of the passage that says, He will take great delight in you. He will take great delight in you. It might be safe to say the more mature that a Christian is, the more ridiculous he or she will understand this statement to be, but will know that it's true. The Lord takes delight in you. In whom does the Lord take delight? Another great verse, if you don't know it, I encourage you to, to memorize it, especially the New Living Translation version of, of Psalm one forty seven eleven. 11. The Lord takes delight in those who honor Him. And how do we do that? In those who place their hope in His unfailing love. That's good news. It isn't that He takes delight in us if we accomplish ABC or all of these tremendous things, or we never miss church, or we never say a curse word, or we never do this, we never do that. We, he, he's, he's satisfied. He's happy with us when we place our hope in His unfailing love. We can do that, right? That, 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 that's not dependent on our strength. That's actually requires some humility on our part, some recognition of the fact that we're not God. We're not Almighty. We need a Savior. We need to be rescued. Place your hope in God's unfailing love. He will quiet you with His love. Now this begs the question, do we need to be quieted? Scripture here says the Lord will quiet you with His love. Well, maybe you don't want to be quieted. Maybe you don't feel like you need to be quieted. Maybe we don't want to be quiet at all. There's uh, an image perhaps we could see here of a toddler... Uh, a child being, being uh, rocked by a mother or father. In fact, uh, the Psalms use this image I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child, I am content. The New Living Translation, I think this is 131.2. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. But I'm not sure that we identify with that image. It's an appropriate image. We're called the children of God. He says we need to be like children to inherit the kingdom. He's, he's father to us. But I'm not sure that we identify with that or that we want to identify with a vulnerable newborn, with, with, with a vulnerable child, with one who is so weak and dependent. I think we're at times too competent, too independent to see ourselves being rocked by our father. Brennan Manning, uh, in one of his books, uh, describes how we rest in the arms of God. We put our heads to His chest and hear His heartbeat. Well, there's 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 some again there's a, a humility that's required of you to see yourself like that, to be willing to be so uh, vulnerable before the Father. I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child I am content. So here's what's a little concerning to me. If being calm and quiet and stillness are words to be associated with spiritual contentedness, then I wonder if as a culture we're in a little bit of trouble because we're not very good at being still. Even probably Thursday night, Friday, when the roads are becoming... Uh, dangerous Friday afternoon. Whenever it was that the roads became dangerous. Um, we, we said prayers at our house for emergency crews and those kinds of folks who, who had to be out, who needed to be out. We probably should have prayed just for the morons who were out just because they wanted to be out. There's just something about We don't want to be hemmed in. I mean, we don't want to be still. We don't want to be calm. We don't want to be quiet. We want to be productive and active and accomplishing things. That's just in our, in our nature I think, and yet God says that He'll quiet us with His love. God comes to calm us, to give rest to our souls, to renew our spirits, and He comes not with brutal force or intimidation or threats. I want to share a verse with you from Exodus, I think is the next one. Yeah, The Lord will show you His salvation, fight for you, be still and silent. The context of that verse is when Moses and the Israelites are fleeing Egypt and they've come to the sea and all of a sudden they realize they're hemmed in by an an advancing army that will keep them from returning to the past that they knew and out in front of them is this sea that prevents them from entering into the future that they hope for and have been promised. And God's word to Moses, before he says, put your staff in the waters and part it, he he basically says, shh, relax. That's not what you want to hear when you're up against an ocean on one side and an advancing army on the other. You want machine guns. You don't want, shh, it's okay. It's going to be all right. I'm with you. I got this. That certainly demands a great level of trust. In God, this God who is mighty, who is with us, who is for us, who quiets us and takes delight in us, the last phrase of Zephaniah 3.17 is, he will rejoice over you with singing. And that's perhaps the most scandalous part of the entire verse. Again, we know that there's much in the Word of God that talks about songs and music we, we Every worship service that we have, I think, we, we, that's a central element of it, is that we, we, we praise God, we sing songs. Whether you're a choir member, uh, one of the instrumentalists, or you have a terrible voice or whatever, God says, sing. Sing a song. Open up your mouth and proclaim the greatness of God. I think we can all pretty much accept that that's appropriate. But this idea that Adonai, our master, would open up his mouth and sing praises over us? There are days when that just doesn't seem right. More days than, than it would seem right. I want to share a verse with you from another one of the Psalms. Psalm 138, 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me, you will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. Several years ago, we had a miniature dachshund, and I was walking that that, that little wiener dog around the neighborhood, and one of the other neighborhood uh, animals had had gotten loose, and it was a very aggressive, I don't remember what kind of dog it was, but It was normally kept fenced in, if not chained up, and and it was loose that day. And it came out into the road directly at us and and came after uh, Sam, our dog. And before I thought about what was the appropriate action or what I should do or whatever, I just remember all of a sudden the next thing I know I have Sam in one arm and I'm kicking back the dog with the other part of my body. And there's something about this passage from Psalm that, that communicates this kind of idea. And those are two separate words for hand. That and I want to show you the, the, uh, the Hebrew for those words. The first, the first reference there, yod. Like uh, in, in the north, a football commentator would say, it's second down and two yods to go. It means power, a powerful hand. God has, we're made in the image of God. God has this powerful hand with which He fights off our enemies. But He also has another hand. It's a separate word in the Hebrew, yamin, as in you're not nice, yamin. It means the right hand. It it sometimes is is put in in same proximity to to Yod, and it means the right hand. So it's very intentional here in the Hebrew that we're talking about separate hands, that with one hand, God holds on to us and protects us, and with the other hand, He defends us. What a great image of this tender warrior, this one who is all-powerful and mighty and brave and courageous, but yet also would would care for us, would hold us, would keep us safe. We stay close to God because I I think it's appropriate to say that our salvation is dependent upon the proximity of our Savior to us. How near is God? Because you can have one who is very powerful and who is for you, but if He is on the other side of the valley, when the enemy comes, that doesn't do you a whole lot of good. The nearness of God. He is with us. He has come to us as a baby. He came to us, and He is coming to us and will continue to come to us in the Holy Spirit. And I'm very excited about Dr. Barnett beginning a series uh, next week. And, and that's our emphasis uh, for 2017 is this idea that the Holy Spirit is moving, living, working in us and through us. The nearness of God. And any strength that we have, any wisdom that we have, any goodness that we have, any, any hope that we have, is in that, that that the Almighty One, the Spirit of Him who raised Christ from the dead, is the Spirit who is at work in us to make us alive where we were dead in our trespasses. God has taken the initiative to pursue us, to hold us, and know us, and in that nearness, nothing can separate us from His love. We stay close to God. We are protected from wandering, from straying off course into dangerous territory. If we abide in Christ, we remain in the shadow of the Almighty, protected in His strength and comforted in His gracious grip. Would you pray with me? O God, You who are strong, You who are tender, You who are near. Thank you, God, for being all of those things to us. And help us, Lord, in a new year to surrender ourselves, to look not to our own strength and our own greatness, our own adequacies, abilities, to keep our eyes firmly on Christ, to be ever aware that your spirit is in our midst, among us, God, that you are holding us with one hand and defending us with the other. Thank you, Lord, for treasuring us the way that you do. And thank you, God, that it is not just on our good days, it's not just when we ace a test, it's when we absolutely vomit as well. It's not just when we say the right thing at the right moment, but it's also in those moments where we, in retrospect, we didn't say what we should have, or we said something that we shouldn't have said. Lord, that you treasure us even in those moments of our weakness and brokenness. We thank you we thank you that you dare to, to delight in us. And all we have to do is put our hope in your unfailing love. And we thank you that it is an unfailing love. In Christ's tender and powerful name we pray. Amen.